Welcome to ContenderCast, a global leadership and consumer industries entrepreneurship podcast centered on shining a light on bright ideas. And now, here's your host, Justin Hahnemann. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for downloading. Thanks for subscribing and following. It's Justin Hahnemann of the ContenderCast. We're shining a light on bright ideas. We're in the food space today with High Time Foods. That's right, High Time Foods. Foods CEO and co-founder Akash Shah is on, and I can't even wait. Akash, so great to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you, Justin. I know. I'm so excited you're here. Um, I couldn't wait. Loved your background. Loved learning about you, Techstars 22 and all. I mean, like, really cool. We got a lot to dive into. Um, so before we do, as we always like to do on the show, how about share a little bit about your background before launching High Time Foods? Absolutely. Yeah, no, it's it's definitely been an interesting ride uh, up to launching up my time foods. Uh, my entire career has been in the food space. Uh, I used to, I started off my career working at this early stage food tech company. It was in this, they just raised Series A, around 150 employees. Uh, um, we used to sell online uh, website space to restaurants. And this was, this was back in, back in India, which is where I grew up. And, uh, and and yeah, it definitely was was that that was my first like interesting uh, entry into the entire food tech space, and uh, through them was able to just like fell in love with this industry with with all of the unique people that you meet in this in this industry. And uh, yeah, while while I was working there, I got to know a lot about what is happening in the food space in food tech with all of the trends and everything. And uh, started off my first startup back in 2017. Very uh, cool. I was in the cloud kitchen, ghost kitchen space. Uh, we we didn't know it was called cloud kitchen back then. It was just we were just like, okay, fine. We know how to make food. We uh, we love Asian food. We're gonna start selling this, and we're just gonna do deliveries. Uh, <laughs> love so, it. <laughs> <laughs> which is basically the definition of a cloud kitchen but so we started doing that um and we then started realizing that oh from the same space we could have multiple brands started doing that uh we onboarded up we onboarded like like a lot of brands into the same kitchen started opening up more kitchens uh acquired some smaller brands and scaled that up uh up until the point we were able to sell it in 2019 wow so very cool got an exit and uh again as as a as a as a young boy who grew up in the south of India, that never knew that you know selling a company was something that is that is a possibility. Uh, it was just some. It was just an opportunity that came up, and uh, we we were able to do that. So after selling that company, uh, I mean, having worked in food throughout, I'd worked a lot with food, with a lot with meat, and uh, at that point. As I said, I, I grew up in the southern part of India, which has a lot of water scarcity, and, and it's really hot out there. Sure, uh, you would see you would see people struggle just for basic drinking water in itself. And when I started realizing as to you know the amount of water and energy it is required to to cook meat or just to process meat in itself, uh, and then just the exact opposite of where people struggling to just get basic drinking water, I started feeling. Uh, strongly about it. I felt like there was this definitely had to be a better way. I started reading more about alternative protein, which is when I actually came to the US to Boston to do my MBA. Uh, I studied at Babson College. Sure. And uh, 
and yeah while while i was there uh, just started speaking a lot with with people in the space in the alternative protein space at that point this is 2019 beyond me just had their fantastic ipo right and uh, so it, it definitely had picked up steam and a lot of people were willing to talk about this and just while i was doing that started working with the good food institute and uh, through them was able to speak with a lot of chefs and with a lot of food scientists and uh, that's just how high time food started off i love that um so you're a co-founder uh with your co-founder damien a plant-based meat company that provides shelf stable and moldable meat alternatives to food service operators we know what food services in terms of the uh, places you might buy food um how did you decide to get into plant-based meat you know you mentioned that you'd seen others kind of jumping into the category like what was going to be your differentiator how did you think about that early days yeah, uh, I mean, as I mentioned, uh, while I was working with the Good Food Institute, my my project there was was to understand as to how can chefs and restaurants take plant based meat seriously. Uh, it definitely was was something that was there. They were like, yeah, sure, we can have burger patties and nuggets, but right. uh, how does this become mainstream? And that was literally the question that that we were trying to get an answer to. And so through them, was able to we surveyed a lot of restaurants and a lot of chefs. And uh, there's two major takeaways that we got. One was was that, hey, like chefs want to buy plant-based meat the same way they buy meat, the regular exactly. conventional meat, where, where they want to use, like just like how they use meat. Like for instance, let's take chicken, for example. If they would buy, if they would go to the store, buy chicken, they can make so many different dishes on their menu item from that one dish. As opposed to if they would buy a plant-based burger, sure, you can have a burger patty, or sure. you can have a you can have like one dish that has like that is that is served. But they want to use plant-based meat also, just same way where they could add it to different menu items. Totally. And so that was one one big realization, and and the other thing was that refrigeration space is something that is of premium. All over. Any, ah, and, and this is got this it. Is Hence the plant, the shelf stable part. Got it. Yeah, yeah. And and this is a common context that we saw. I would say across the world, where where this is something that that people wanted and people uh, like. Is it's it's not it's not something that they're willing to give away to any any brand or any company that comes in. Uh, so you really need to be convincing enough for them to give up their frozen space for your product and uh that that's when we saw that oh it could be a lower barrier to entry if you go in with a product that doesn't require refrigeration sure so that's pretty much how this came up so i know you've done a lot of work in the food industry doesn't mean that you necessarily knew how to make this food right so you have this idea you know the market segment well you feel like there's an opportunity you see others kind of jumping in it's early days still even to this day in the plant-based meat category how did you go from idea to even starting to formulate a product oh yeah uh it definitely was was interesting that like for me to be able to like do it that way as, as you said i don't have a background in in food science or food engineering i'm a mechanical engineer as such uh but but i, I think so we we used a lot of food scientists to be able to help us throughout this journey uh it certainly helps being in Boston, surrounded by universities out here, which have fantastic food science programs. So we were able to take use. I mean, definitely, 
took that to advantage and sure. I would recommend that to anyone who's you know willing to like start off in the food space this this is just so many especially in the US with so many food science programs out there uh, everyone is willing to help and they're always looking for projects where 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 students can work on and uh, so that was one thing that we definitely took advantage of and the other was with a co-manufacturer itself there was a lot of the development that we were able to do so certainly I, I would say it took us uh we started working on this September of 2021 uh just like after understanding okay fine the basic outline of what would it take to create a plant-based shell stable chicken right uh, then we started approaching people like most people were like oh unrefrigerated that's that's not happening like you can't do that <laughs> right. so, so that was uh that, that definitely was a challenge but then we were able to convince a few people to to be able to work with us and uh yeah and once we figured out the prototype i think it took us like like six to eight more months to just be able to convince a manufacturer to work with us because <laughs> why was that why did it take that long like what was the pushback yeah i mean we had the product we had like okay fine this is the recipe this is what it looks like and uh we, we want to make this and then they were like and they would ask us so what is your quantity is going to be like so what are your what, what kind of numbers or projections are you looking at and we was just like uh we, we we're just figuring things out and uh we was at that point again this is almost a year ago and feels like ages ago but sure but at that point we were still like like we were like you know what maybe maybe we could manufacture it this way or maybe maybe you know we, we remove the heat and then uh and then, like you know uh, blend it for a little more time and things like that so then they would like they would be like no you need to come to us with like a proper defined format in terms of how this should be manufactured sure. what the exact ingredients are what is your demand going to be like what like <laughs> we didn't have answers to that a year ago it 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 took me it took both me and and damien some time to like figure out like those answers and and like just understand as to how to approach a manufacturer and, and what kind of answers or what, what kind of questions they might have sure uh yeah once once we had those figured out once we even like sorted out the exact manufacturing technique uh is when we we were able to like finally like produce that scale got it wow um that's amazing yeah and for those listening six to eight months like had idea took that long to even get someone to agree to do it now did you know it tasted good or how did you get it so it like when it was put together in fact why don't you we'll talk about how that works in a minute but did, did you know it tasted good or did it take a while to get it to a place where it was like okay this is feasible that people will want to buy it need it right yeah yeah no i mean that's, that's the thing about food right and especially when you're a startup founder you very then that's the biggest risk you have is that you fall in love with your own right, product. Your own product, right. And, That's so funny. And, and yeah, it, 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 the good thing was since I'd, I'd done that with with my restaurants before, uh, I knew that there is a risk uh, that I could carry. So I, I tried it out and I was like, okay, fine, I think this could work. I didn't develop very strong feelings for it. Sure. Uh, <laughs> but one of the first things that we did, and this goes back to like something that I learned at, at, uh, at my college, was like test out the product in the fastest and the cheapest manner possible. Got it. And that is something that we did. So we went out to restaurants in Boston. Okay. And uh, we we shot it like in the start when we went, they were like, they were like, man, like, what is this? Like, we wouldn't try this. And that was that was the feedback that we got a year ago. But then the good 
part was they were willing to work with us. They were these restaurants were like, hey, listen, if you would change this around and if you would you would, you know, make this particular thing stand out, who would be willing to work with you? So that that was helpful. And and so we kept going back to these restaurants and kept iterating, kept getting their feedback. And that's how we realized that, you know, we have a good product. A and, good product, yeah. And I think that the fact that they were willing to work with us, them being chefs, uh that that is when we started feeling more and more confident about confident. it. But I think the best best proof is sales, right? At the end of it, it comes back to our customers who were ordering your food, coming back and ordering it again, and we were able to achieve that this summer. So that was that was a huge milestone for us. That's amazing. Um, it, it, when we talk about your product, you call it moldable meat alternatives. So, like, how does it work? Like, what are the pieces and parts that come, and then how do you make the product? Yeah, no. So we 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 sell our product uh, to food service in pouches, and so they were they would just rip open the pouch, uh, you know, put it in a in a bowl. Uh, it basically comes as it, it is a mix. Think 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 conflicts, but with more powder in it, and uh, they would then add water and oil to the mix. Uh, and add any other seasonings that they might have, depending on the cuisine that is being served at the restaurant. And they would just they would just mix it for around thirty seconds to a minute. And then what you would see is it it would start behaving and functioning exactly like like minced chicken. Sure. And then chef would then mold it according to the shape and size that is required. For example, a burger patty or a kebab or or nuggets or anything of that sort. Uh, is something that they can start. They can even they can even use it minced, obviously. Uh, so so yeah, that's that's why we call it a moldable uh, minced chicken alternative. That's great. I, I love it. And yeah, it's you know something different. You got to educate our our listeners. This is perfect. Um. So okay, you're in market now. What, what does it look like as you're growing? Are you are you pursuing new restaurants or distributors or what does that look like? How do you think about business development? Yeah. Uh, as of as of now, we're looking to pursue more and more restaurants. And once while we're doing that, obviously, get the attention of distributors to be able to onboard our product. We we just launched in in the summer in August actually. Okay. And and post that we we were just at one restaurant in Boston. Uh, it's actually a pretty popular Mexican restaurant chain out here called Beloco, which is where we launched. And uh, so we were there for a month and post that we were like, okay, fine, we wanna we wanna be able to prove that this works at in different concepts. So then we launched at an Egyptian fine dining restaurant. We launched at a rooftop bar, a oh. dive bar. Uh, then we went to a, a burger chain. Then we were also at a Mediterranean caterer. So we wanted to show that this works in these different concepts and different dishes and cuisines. Totally. And uh, and yeah, that's that's something that we want to keep keep doing uh, further along. So yeah, restaurants of Boston, if you're hearing this, no, here we go. <laughs> and so, um, did, what was the feedback? All positive? Any negative? Anything you had to tweak? And as you were starting early days, yeah, we we didn't have to tweak uh, a few things, and and that I think that is that is something that that uh, was appreciated a lot by by the restaurant owners that we worked with, but. Where they gave us feedback that the product needed to be more meaty and it had to be something that 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 you know, uh, especially they were like when consumers were eating a burrito, they felt like 
like the like the meat tastes nice but it's getting lost in in the entire roll so we had to come up with with a process where where they could get like bigger chunks of the product and feel Got it. more 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 like a yeah. substance and at that yeah. point i think we were very very lucky that that you know our manufacturer and our food scientists were were very quick to be able to iterate and uh, come up with a product that we could immediately launch hmm. uh, so that 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 really helped and uh, created a lot of credibility for us with these restaurants you're a co-founder uh, with your co-founder Damien. Um, how do you guys divide up the work? How did you guys connect? You know, how do you think about who owns what in the business? Yeah. Um, so I I met Damien while while doing my MBA. Both of us were in the same batch, and uh, both of us were the only two food people at a, at a business school. <laughs> nice. Uh, and 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 it's interesting at at that time. Both of us were trying to be more vegetarian, so connected on on these similar backgrounds. And but sure. he's from he's from Switzerland, uh, and I'm from India. But so we definitely had like a unique uh, mix in terms of the nationalities and the and the cultures that we come from. But uh, having having said that, I w- I would say like we from the start itself, there was we could see that there is this this great synergy that we have, and that we both come in from very very unique uh skill sets and even unique styles of working also uh so so damien takes care of, of the supply production and r d and i purely take care of of fundraising and business development Got so it. that's that was that was uh something that we saw being a clear divide in work and uh it's 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 fun that way because you know, I can I can push him to like manufacture more, and then and then when he has more inventory, he pushes me to be able to sell enough. Got it. And then, do you th- consider your customer the chefs or the restaurants or the food service distributors? How do you think about your actual end customer? Yeah, no, that's a, that's a great question. It's a question that we've asked ourselves too a lot of times. Right, right. I uh, mean, because anyway, you got the consumer of the product, and you have the person that puts it all together. You've got the place that you know sends the products to places that put it together. Anyway, yep, no, absolutely, uh, and actually, actually, this question goes back to my time at the Good Food Institute, which is no matter whoever's buying you have, if if you have a product that that a chef does not want to work with, <laughs> and they they will somehow find a way to not be able to sell this, and they will your product will not be able to float. If if you have the buy-in of the owners and the managers and everything, that's great. That is required. But at the end of it, the chef or or the person who's working in the kitchen yep. needs to be able to feel comfortable with your product. Needs to be able to feel like okay, it has to be intuitive enough for them to be able to work with it. And uh, yeah, that that's that's why I think we are all our messaging, our language, and everything is focused towards chefs. Got it. I love that. So that's just nice to have clarity around that. Okay. So now that I'm looking forward to the next six to 12 months, like what does growth look like for you? How are you getting uh, product out to market even further? Um, and how do you scale? Yeah. Uh, for us in the next six to 12 months, we definitely have a target in terms of revenue, which is to get a run, a monthly run rate of $100,000 in sales. But apart from that, I would, I would say for us to scale, we know we have to become a strong brand in the New England area uh, in terms of food service. So that is that is something that we that we intend to do. Uh, but 
in six to 12 months, I think and we've definitely got a lot of demand and a lot of people asking if, if you know, this could be sold so directly to them or in retail and things like that. So that will be something that we will start start working on, I would say, in the next six months and hopefully launch in the next six to 12 months in D2C or retail. Uh, so that's that's how we look at scale. But I would say focus right now would be full service in the New England area. Got it. That's great. Um, very, very cool. I'd love to ask our guests some of their biggest lessons learned your early days here still. As you've got product, you're getting into market, you're getting some growth, um, you've got growth in front of you. I'm sure you've had some amazing lessons learned. We have a lot of entrepreneurs that listen to our show. What would be a couple of things you'd offer to to the others listening that you've already learned in your first couple of years here with High Time Foods? Yeah, um, I, w- I would say in terms of just as, as entrepreneurs in itself, right, we definitely tend to like overthink a lot of aspects and like definitely tend to, you know, be able to like, like because because you think that there's so much risk uh, that that you would overthink about something and then make like you only want to make the right decision. Sure. But I think over time, what I've realized is it's more important to make a faster decision as opposed to making like the right decision because you will never know it's there's there's the odds are definitely right. stacked against <laughs> so there's, true. <laughs> there's only so much you can you can you can control uh but the one thing that you can control and the only thing that you have in, on your side is the speed uh so i would say like take advantage of that and and move as quickly as possible iterate as quickly as possible get feedback and and go back to the market, get beaten up by the market and create a new product and go back to them again. That's that is something that I've learned and and will always want to keep doing. I love that. Great advice. And yeah, it's hard, right? It's hard to make the quick decision to try something and potentially fail or not versus holding off. You know, it's like that tension. You know what I mean? That's hard. it's yeah. gotta manage that tension. Sometimes you just yeah. don't know. You gotta put it out there until you 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 try something again, learn from it commercialize if it works if it doesn't shift directions anyway um great advice so uh, listen uh share with our audience where they can find you connect with you um learn about your product buy product etc yeah absolutely uh i wish we were selling directly to consumers yet but we're hopefully soon uh but yeah obviously restaurant owners are are people who, who do reach out to us via our website but Please like feel free to connect with me on on LinkedIn, Instagram, on our websites. We'll search for High Time Foods. I think you should be able to find find out. Pops right up. (laughs) And then, okay, so before we go, where did the word where did High Time come from? Like, why would you call it High Time Foods? Absolutely, I was was waiting for that question. (laughs) (laughs) I wouldn't let us go without (laughs) defining that, right? (laughs) Yeah, I definitely think in the start we we definitely got a lot of questions while we would go for pitch competitions and things like that. I'm sure, Um, and uh, I I think I think over time we were able to put out this message where we would immediately like the moment we get on a call we start off with this where we would be like we're high time foods and we believe that it is high time that we change the world that change the food that we eat for ourselves got it so that was something that that, that we would high time. Start off with. <laughs> that's right that no one has any connotation whatsoever so yeah 
That's so great. I love it. Yeah, I always love to ask that. You know, we, as you know, we've had a lot of amazing founders on it, and they have lots of creative names for their companies, and it's always fun to to hear uh, the 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 reason behind it, man. So great right. to have you with us, Akash. Uh, been great meeting you today. You got to come back on down the road. Uh, really excited for what you guys got going on. You're in a really exploding space right now in the food industry um it's one that i think has a lot of growth in front of it a lot to learn and a lot of a lot of space for um companies like high time food so really great having you you got to come back on with us down the road absolutely thank you so much for having me the contender cast is sponsored by henderson shapiro peck and powered by contender brands you can download additional ContenderCast episodes directly via Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, iHeartMedia, YouTube, and other preferred podcast platforms. If you would like to be a guest on the ContenderCast, connect with us at ContenderCast.com. This is Brian Benson reminding you that every winner started as a contender.